Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Joshua chapter 15, verse 1, as we continue to allot the land to the tribes of Israel. The allotment for the tribe of the people of Judah. Okay, so this is going to be the area up and around Jerusalem and Bethlehem and that whole area. According to their clans, reach southward to the boundary of Edom, to the wilderness of Zin at the far south. And their south boundary ran from the end of the Salt Sea, you know what the Salt Sea is, from the bay that faces southward. And it goes southward of the ascent of Akrabim, passes along Zin, and goes up south of Kadesh Barnea, along by Hezron, up to Adar, and turns about to Karta, passes along to Asman, goes out by the brook of Egypt and comes to its end at the sea. That shall be your south boundary. And the east boundary is the Salt Sea to the mouth of the Jordan. And the boundary of the north side runs from the bay of the sea at the mouth of the Jordan. And the boundary goes up to Beth Holgla, passes along to the north of Beth Araba. And the boundary goes up to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. And the boundary goes up to Debir in the valley of Achor, and so northward, turning toward Gilgal, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim, which is on the south side of the valley. And the boundary passes along to the waters of En-Shemish and the ends of En-Rogel. Then the boundary goes up by the valley of the son of Heman at the southern shoulder of the Jebusite, that is Jerusalem. And the boundary goes up to the top of the mountain that lies over against the valley of Hinon on the west and at the northern end of the valley of Raphaim. Then the boundary extends from the top of the mountain to the spring of the waters of Nephtoha, and from there to the cities of Mount Irhan. Then the boundary bends around to Baala, that is kiriath Jiriam, which is right over near the road that we take down from Jerusalem near Abu Ghash. And the boundary circles west toward Baala to Mount Seir, passes along the northern shoulder of Mount Jiraim, that is Chelslan, and goes down to Beth Shemesh and passes along by Timnah. The boundary goes out to the shoulder of the hill country of Ekron, where the boundary bends around to Shekaron and passes along to Mount Baala and goes out to Jabneel. Then the boundary comes to an end at the sea. And the west boundary was the great sea with its coastline. And this is the boundary around the people of Judah, according to their clans. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jehunah, a portion among the people of Judah. So Caleb receives a portion among the people of Judah. Even though he was not part of the tribe of Judah, this is because of his faith. And Caleb drove out from them there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, the descendants of the giant. And from there he went up against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, Whoever strikes Kiriath Sefer and captures it, to him I will give Akash my daughter as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. And he gave him Aksha, his daughter, as wife. And she came to him and she urged him to ask her father for a field. She got off a donkey and Caleb said to her, What do you want? And she said, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of Negev, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Okay, now, this is a beautiful, this was a wise daughter, all right? She said, All right, I've got the land of the Negev, 
but there's not a lot of water there. Please give me also springs of water. She knew she needed water in order to be a prosperous person. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Judah according to their clans. The cities belonging to the tribe of the people of Judah in the extreme south toward the boundary of Edom were Kabzel, Eder, Jagur, Kena, Demona, Adada, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithnan, Zeph, Telem, Beoloth, Hazor, Hadatha, Kiriath, Hezron, that is Hazor, Amon, Shema, Moloda, Hazor, Gada, Hesham, Bethbelet, Hazor, Shaul, Beersheba, Bizotuiah, Baala, Lim, Izem, El Tolad, Sheshil, Horma, Ziklag, Madamana, Sasanna, Lebaoth, Shelhim, Ain, Rimon, and all 29 cities with their villages. Now notice, cities with villages. The villages would be the outlying areas around a city. And in the lowland, Eshtoal, Zora, Ashna, Zanoa, En Ganim, Tapua, Inam, Jarmuth, Adulam, Socha, Azaka, Shara'aim, Athethaim, Gedera, Gederothaim, 14 villages, 14 cities with their villages. Zene'im, Hadashha, Midgalgad, Dila'en, Mitzvah, Joktil, Lakish, Bozka, Eglan, Kabon, Lamam, Chitlish, Gedaroth, Bethdagon, Naama, Makada, 16 cities with their villages. Lebna, Eter, Ashan, Itha, Ashna, Nizib, Kalea, Akzib, and Marasha, nine cities with their villages. Ekran with its towns and its villages, and from Ekran to the sea, and all that were by the side of Ashdod with their villages. Ashdod, its towns and its villages, Gaza, with its towns and its villages, to the brook of Egypt and the great sea with its coastline. And in the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Zocha, Dana, Kiriath Shana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtomo, Anim, Goshen, Holon, Gilo, eleven cities with their villages. Arab, Duma, Ashan, Janim, Beth Tapua, Akala, Humta, Kiriath Abra, that is Hebron, and Zior, nine cities with their villages. Maon, Carmel, Zith, Judah, Jezreel, Jotdiam, Zanoa, Cain, Gibeon, and Tibna, ten cities with their villages. Halul, Bethzur, Gedor, Ma'arath, Beth Anoth, and El Tekon, six cities with their villages. Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerem, and Rabbah, two cities with their villages. In the wilderness, Beth Araba, Midin, and Sakaka, Nebshan, the city of salt, and Engedi, six cities with their villages. Now, all of that reading <laughs> to get through, because if you jumped over it, you'd miss this little jewel. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, 
the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. This took till King David. Jerusalem was considered an impregnable city because of the the valleys of which came up along the sides of the city. And it was just impossible to capture the city. They could not capture that city. They couldn't drive out the Jebusites from Jerusalem. David came along. David figured out how to capture the city, but that's a story for another day. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Testament passage today is a little longer, and so we kind of balance things out a little bit today. We're going to start in Luke chapter 20, verse 1. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, all right, so this is during Holy Week. This is actually during the Holy Week, all right, and preaching the gospel. The chief priests and scribes with the elders came up and said, tell us by what authority you do these things, or who is it that gave you this authority? Now, what are these things? Well, it's cleansing the temple, it's healing the sick, it's preaching, etc. Now, he was not on any of their rabbinical lists, all right? So, who gave you authority? Now, remember, authority means the right to do something. Power means the ability. Authority means the right. So they wanted to know, who gave you the right to, to throw these people out of the temple? Who gave you the right to drive the money changers out? Who gave you the right to heal the sick? Who gave you the right to preach here in the temple courts? Who gave you the right to do these things? And he answered them, I will also ask you a question. He said, now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it. <laughs> now, when people have to discuss, you know they're trying to come up with an answer. They discussed with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. Ah. Now notice, you only discuss how not to face truth. Truth should have been right there. Truth should have been an easy answer. They had to discuss how not to face truth. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. Now this is a lie. Jesus said, Jesus said to them, and here's this is an important truth, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, here's the principle I want you to see. Never answer people who will not face truth. Never answer them. Don't, don't answer people and don't get into a debate with people who will not face truth. If they will not answer truthfully, don't have a discussion with them. So never debate. Never debate never discuss with people who will not be truthful. He said, then I'm not going to tell you what right I have to do this. Because <laughs> he said, you don't want truth. You want an argument. And there is a difference, brothers and sisters. And he began to tell the people this terrible. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants. So he leased it, okay. And leased it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. And when he came back, he sent a servant to the tenants 
so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Now, those of you that own property in the province, you've been through this. You, you've leased your land out to a farmer, and you go there and ask for your share of the crop, and um, all of a sudden, there's just, there's just that we didn't have a harvest this year. That They don't want to share the crop. They don't, they don't recognize that that land belongs to you. Ah. He sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. Now notice, refusal to honor lease agreement. Both times, empty-handed. Okay? Refusal to honor the lease agreement. He said a third. This one they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send them my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. Hmm. When the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. All right, so they wanted to steal what they had not built, only used. How did they want to steal? They steal by killing the heir. Now, there's several things I want you to see here. They wanted to steal an inheritance that was not theirs. They wanted to steal an inheritance that was not theirs. And to do so, they were going to kill the heir. And you know what? What's the guy going to do? He would be so brokenhearted, he would just walk away. Now, you're going to have to understand that this is the attitude that's been prevalent in the world since the beginning. There are people that are given opportunities. Now notice, they were given an opportunity to earn. They were given an opportunity to earn and to work without investing anything. All they put in was their sweat. This guy did everything. And they wanted to act like it was theirs. They worked it so they thought it was theirs. Now, brothers and sisters, you're going to find, and I, let me talk to all of you in, in business for a minute, those of you that have family businesses. You're going to have to understand that you will have employees that will seek to destroy your children. What? Yeah, that's what these guys were doing. This was a family business, and employees of a family business destroyed the son. Now, this is the parable Jesus is teaching. We'll get to the application here in a minute, but, but look at the real-life illustration Jesus is using. People would kill the, the heir, the son of a family-owned business because they wanted to steal the inheritance. What you're going to have to learn in family businesses is to protect your children from employees that act as if the company is theirs. Well, you know, I've been here for 15 years. Wonderful. But you didn't put any money into it. But I've been here for 15 years. Wonderful, but you didn't put any money into it. 
but I've been here for 15 years. Wonderful, but you didn't put any money into it. You didn't invest in this company. Well, I've given my life here. You didn't put any money in this business. That business belongs to the family. Ah. Now, if you're going to protect your children, you're going to have to learn to keep your children away from people that would destroy them. And they won't just destroy them by killing them because they'll go to jail for that. They'll destroy them by drugs. They'll destroy them by alcohol. They'll tear them down with gossip and cheesemit. When they do this, is they're trying to destroy the next generation of leadership. You know, in, in a church, you, you don't know who's going to take over next. I mean, I've got at least, what, at least another good 10 years in me before I have to start thinking about turning over some of the harder work to, to the younger ones. But who knows who will take over? There, there, there's, there's no heir apparent. But it's amazing how there will be people who will want to destroy Pastor A. They'll want to destroy Pastor Cecil. They'll want to destroy uh, a Pastor Paula. They'll want to destroy a Pastor Duke, a Pastor James. Some of the young ones that are coming up that could do great things in the future. They, they want to destroy them because they want to run things. They, they want to steal the future. Now, as a congregation, as family business owners, you have to learn to protect the next generation from the thieves of inheritance. But now what Jesus is teaching here is using that illustration and saying, you know, my father sent how many prophets and you sent the prophets away empty-handed and you, you wounded and you beat the prophets. But Jesus is the son and what did the chief priests want to do? They wanted to kill Jesus, the heir, because they wanted to control religion. They wanted to control the spiritual lives of the people of Israel. They wanted to steal the inheritance. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What will the owner of that vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Why? Why? Because it's his. Because, see, he owns it. He can give it to anybody he wants. He'll give it to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked at them directly and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now notice, he didn't keep that vineyard. He gave it to others. He would not allow these people who killed his servants, wounded his servants, and killed his son to have anything. He destroyed them. Interesting. Verse 18, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone... It will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour. Okay, they wanted to kill him. Kill him now. For they perceived that he told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies. <laughs> who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to authority and jurisdiction of the governor. Now notice, 
When people hate you, they watch you, they stalk your Facebook, they, they're trolls, they send spies around your business, they send spies to look at your house, and they pretend to be sincere, but it's all pretense. Because what they're looking for is to catch you in your words, to catch you in your words so they can deliver you up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. They wanted to kill him. So they ask him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and you show no partiality, but teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? <laughs> but he perceived their craftiness, said to them, show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said Caesar's. Then he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. In other words, there was the money that was used for offerings was very different. It did not have Caesar's picture on it. It did not have idols, because that was considered idolatry. And they were not able, in the presence of the people, to catch him in what he said. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. I like that. There are always going to be people that are looking to play gotcha. And this is a game that people play. Gotcha. The game of gotcha is trying to catch you in your words so that they can attack you. But beloved, you have to learn to be like Jesus and let the Father give you words to say and people will just sit back and marvel at your answers and be silent. You know, when, when you see all the attacks that came against Jesus and all the strategy that came against Jesus, he's marvelous. <laughs> he's just marvelous. All right, a little bit more today. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs now to close out. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. What are you doing to help the poor? <laughs> that, that's the question. And he will repay him for his deed. What deed? Being generous to the poor. Now, brothers and sisters, you have to understand that when you, when you give money to help someone down in Aroma, when you give money to help somebody in Happy Land or Payatas, whoever is generous with the poor lends to the Lord. It's like you're loaning money to God. And God will repay you for your deed. So in other words, this generosity is not just money, but it's money with actions. You go out and you cook the food and you feed the people. When you, when you help the poor, it's like lending to the Lord. Now he changes gears. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Now, New Living says that a little differently. Discipline your son while there's hope, otherwise you will ruin their lives. Did you hear that? Do not set your heart on putting him, who? Your son, to death. Parents, when you don't discipline your son, you condemn their future to ruin. You know, there are many men... Sometimes men don't discipline their sons because their son knows that they've got a second family. Their son knows what a jerk they've been to their mother. 
And so they, they let their children just be wild because they have no moral authority in the home because they don't live right. And the son knows it. And so they never discipline their son. And you don't understand you're ruining their life. At some point, your son will be held accountable for his actions. And when he did not learn what it's like to be held accountable for your actions when he's young, and mistakes are small, later when the government, when a business, when the police hold him accountable for his actions, it ruins him. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Now, you know what I've learned to do with hot-tempered people? Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them, you'll do it again. What you have to learn to do is let them face consequences. And basically, that's what discipline of your son is also. It's the same truth, just with a different type of person. You know, you can't keep rescuing people that have lost their temper and now they have to, you've got a problem. You can't keep pulling their proverbial fat out of the fire. You have to learn that they must learn to pay the penalty the next time they'll control their temper. Listen to advice. Okay, listen. Accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. I like that. So you need to listen and you need to accept. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You know, you just need to learn. I want God's will. I want God's will. What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. Now, look at down here in New Living. Loyalty is what makes a person attractive. What you really want in a man is loyalty. And the Greek word here for steadfast love is loyalty. I mean, the Hebrew word. What is desired? If you want to know what is desired in people, it's loyalty. And, and please, some of your young ones, the millennials, you, loyalty is a thing that you think is really overrated. And you say, well, you know, we're not going to be loyal. The previous generation was loyal, and what did it get them? Well, that's what, that's what the world desires. See, the, the way God created man is we desire to be around people who are loyal to us. What is desired in a man is loyalty. And remember, loyalty doesn't go sideways. Loyalty goes up. And a poor man is better than a liar. It is better to be poor than dis dishonest. Now, you know what? You need to get a hold of that. Now, I'm a preacher of prosperity, not avarice and greed, but an abundant life. God wants to bless you. Now, that said, I got news for you. Do you do something that is crooked and dishonest and make a sale and make a million pesos? Or do you lose the sale because you're honest and go home and eat rice and salt? Which is better? Pastor, be corrupt, make the million pesos, and then repent. <laughs> Somebody actually answered me that one time. No. See, brothers and sisters, the reason it's better to be poor than dishonest is one gets God's help, 
one gets no help. It's better to be honest and lose the sale. It's better to be honest and not make the deal because you'll still have God helping you. But you, you, do, you take the shortcut, I'm sorry. You lose God's help. The fear of the Lord, this is respect. Respect for God leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Now look at down here with the New Living. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. All of that flows from respect for God. Number one, life. Satisfied. Protected. These are the the blessings of living a life showing respect for God. All right. We'll see you tonight. Remember, the service starts tonight at 6.30. I'll be teaching on the prayers of the Apostle Paul. So this will be a, not a, a drive-in service and not a 10% service because curfew start at 8. We can't get everybody home with travel transportation at that time. So we'll do just a regular video service tonight. We'll sit down with you and teach you about the prayers of the Apostle Paul. We'll see you tonight at 6.30.